We told you we had a special show for you today. We have a special guest joining us in the Takeover Studio. Well, he's not in the studio today, but he's here with us uh, to, to provide some expertise in our subject matter for today. He's a uh, you know him, you love him, but he's currently serving as a minister, the chief financial officer, anointed administrator officer here at KHM. He uh, he was recently dubbed as the illustrator by his father and pastor. Uh, Lottie W. Brown for his unique, colorful images and examples to make his points very much clear. And uh, important to this topic, he's a devoted son, husband, father, and even grandfather, whether you believe it or not, uh, as well. So please join us in welcoming our guest, Mr. Antoine Brown, to the takeover. Oh, it's good to be here, man. I'm I'm excited about this topic, too. Definitely. Good, good. You know what, uh, Justice, I'm going to go ahead and why don't you start? First of all, I want to know where you came from and where you went, because you were just sitting right over there. Hey, man, I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. well, um, sure, we'll just we'll just start. Okay. so the first thing we want to do is look at what being a man, uh, what it means from a kingdom perspective. And I got kingdom man in words in a different light here, and I'm just going to read it. Uh, kingdom man is the one who is mandated to accomplish the new order. Mandated to accomplish the new order. And then the definition is kingdom man is the one manufactured to mirror his mm-hmm. maker's intent, speech, and actions by promoting the expansion and advancement of the kingdom of God and for experiencing the enjoyment of a kingdom lifestyle. So, Minister Brown, with that being said, what does that, what does kingdom man mean to you? Well, I mean, I, the, the first thing that I would, that I would definitely point out is um, that is not necessarily gender specific but that particular definition, because it, it's it just it reminds me of the scripture that I looked at earlier that that you guys were were um, showing. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And really, what what he's talking about is he's referring to all mankind. And so, even with that definition, mandated to accomplish a new order, that's not just specific to uh, males. That's also for females. And so what, what we're really looking at is the male uh, specifically in this situation. And so when you look at it from that standpoint, what is a kingdom man uh, or how does uh, how does a male fit into that factor? I think that, um, first of all, he is mandated to accomplish a new order. That is <laughs> that's who he is. But then there's a specific gender assignment, too. And, um, you know, and I don't know how deep we're going to go into this, but. You know, that's that's the part right there that can get confusing is the gender assignment, because you got a lot of men that grew up in a household where there was no father. So he didn't have an example. And so his view may be may look different from a from a, uh, the viewpoint of a male who grew up in a in a home where there was a father. And so 
I think really to just kind of look at keeping things on an even keel, let's start with being mandate to accomplish a new order. And then, <laughs> then there are some things that God expects from a male that he doesn't expect from a female. Basically, Ms. Brown, sounds like you're talking about what it means to be a kingdom male as opposed to just the general definition of kingdom man. So you're talking about that masculine authority that's licensed in the earth that there may be some confusion about if it's not uh, delineated properly to uh, young men as they come up. Yeah, you know, and I, I think um, one of the biggest things is that a lot of a lot of times we look at men as being, um, I don't know, uh, women women seem to be, you know, the Bible refers to women as a weaker vessel. But and so a lot of times we, we look at men and, and they're supposed to be this just strong, you know, barely, you know, whatever. And um, I, I think that I think we can get messed up trying to paint a picture of what a man looks like. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying a man needs to be wearing high heels and, you know, <laughs> skirts. <laughs> but if but if I'm not if I'm not uh, if I can't grow a full beard. I'm not, a, I'm, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, we can get caught up in that kind of craziness. You know, that's uh, that's not what makes a man a man or a male a male. You know, um, what, what makes a male a male is him understanding his gender assignment. First of all, you know, God wants him to procreate. You know, the Bible says be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, take dominion. So we can look at Genesis chapter uh, 1, verse 26 um, and beyond and look at what God expects of a male. You're supposed to be fruitful, multiply, replenish. So those things right there dominate. Um, I got to dominate circumstances. That's what a male does. That's what a man does, dominate circumstances. Now he leads the charge for, now if we're looking at husband and wife, he leads the charge, which means he's ultimately responsible, but it doesn't make him better than the female. Okay, and, and earlier um, you referenced men needing to be an example. Um, so I think one thing that we can all agree on is that a good role model in the home and outside of the home helps shape young people um, dramatically, young men dramatically. So what does a good male role model look like? A good male role model from a kingdom perspective looks like Ephesians chapter five, verse one. And in the Amplified version, it says, therefore be imitators of God, copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitate their father. And so I, I think that finding out how God would do things uh, and the best example of that is Jesus. You know, you, I mean, you could just canvas the entire gospels. How would Jesus handle a situation? How would he go about doing things? And um, if I if I model my life after Christ, then that makes me a perfect role model for my son or whoever uh, uh, male figure that I'm, I'm supposed to be a role model for. And so I think that that's I mean, that's that's the best you can give them. I remember telling somebody um, I don't know, a few years ago, I said the, the greatest gift that my father ever gave me is, is being Christ like in front of me. And showing me the example of Christ and knowing how to handle certain things as Christ would handle them. And so I think the, the greatest role model you can have is somebody who's imitating Christ. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's good, man. And, uh, 
you know, we know the lack of fathers in the home, particularly in the black community, has been hot button topic, if you will, and st still actually causes quite a great debate of the true impact of that. I know I believe that there's a significant impact, but I'm curious as to what or what do you think is what part of the male development do you think is hindered most by a lack of a father figure in the home? I think you, you know, I mean, I, I think you gotta be able to see a man and know how a man, you know, functions to to really know how you need to function as a man. You know, uh, I, I think that's the, the the biggest takeaway. You know, kudos to all of those moms, single mothers who had to do it without their father there. Um, but I, I think that's the biggest takeaway, though, and it's, it's unfortunate. You know, I, I feel sorry for those women who have to raise their their son, particularly for those situations where the the, the father just decided he's not going to be involved. And and man, you know, you really you create a deficit. You know, you just create a real deficit in that young man's life growing up because he just doesn't know how to act, you know, from that standpoint. She, she can do the best she can. You know, I've heard people say, well, I, I'm mama and daddy, you know, and I, I understand what you're saying, but that's not possible. You know, they, they need a male figure in their life. Uh, and, and unfortunately, if their dad can't be in their life, I think it's important to find somebody who, who can help them understand what they, you know, understanding the certain things you're going to need to face. You know, a, a mother can do so much, but but a father can help him understand why do, why does my body feel like this? You know, when you get to that certain age, you know, uh, what what's happening to me, dad? You know, what, what's happening? What's going on? You know, and so I'm, I'm noticing some changes. You know, what what is this hair, you know? <laughs> I'm just gonna keep it real, you know what I'm saying? What what's what's happening to me? Why does my voice sound like this? You know what I'm saying? What what's going on? And and uh, and a, and a, and a dad can help him because he's been there, you know. And in some ways, it takes a person who's been there to be able to help them navigate through everything that they're going to face as they go through all these different changes. All I can say is, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, I'm pretty sure we're all aware that um, it just seems like young men now have so much anger, you know, pent up inside that that may be leading them into more trouble. Like, for example, um, in Maryland, in Annapolis High School, um, seven students were charged uh, and, and two students were hospitalized after a big old fight broke out. You know, it just makes you wonder where, where, where do you think the anger really stems from and, and how is that con a contributing factor to, to their trouble? Well, you know, uh, you guys are familiar with Minister Miles. You guys on the show are familiar with Minister Alan Miles. He's uh, one of the elders and ministers at our church at Kingdom of Heaven Ministries. And he made this statement years ago, and, I, and it stuck with me. I never forgot it. He said, there's a negative factor in the planet. And, and that, is, that is Satan. That's the enemy. And, and the, thing, the thing that the enemy is probably best at is attacking us where we're weak. And, and I think that's what, you know, it's like a, a shark goes after blood in the water. 
you know, if, if you got a wounded whale in the water and he's bleeding, that shark is going to go right for that wound and he's going to take that thing out. And um, and that's that's the nature of the of that beast. And that's exactly how the enemy works. If the enemy sees that you got a deficiency here, you got a deficit here, there's no male figure in your life, then he's going to attack you where you're weakest. And and he's going to hit you where you uh, where your anger stems from. So you're angry because your dad ain't there. You you see these other kids that they're there. I'm just saying that, that's that's one that's one way to look at it. You know, you're angry because you don't your life is not uh, flowing and functioning like you want it to. You don't have that that, uh, that father figure in the house. And so the enemy is going to play at that. You know, he's going to he's going to plant things in your head and he's going to show you different things. And now you walking around here, you're a ticking time bomb. And all it takes is somebody saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know, it may not even be within your nature to, to act that way, but the enemy knows that if I can just get this person to push this button and, and now you're angry, you know, and, and that's, and that's kind of the nature of men too. You know, we can kind of, we, we're more reactive than we are responsive. We don't stop and calculate, okay, well, what just happened here? Why did this person do that? It's like, oh no, you didn't. You know, person can be walking down the hall and say, your mama, they don't know he was saying he's in the middle of a sentence with another person and saying uh, something about, you know, somebody else's mama, not even in a negative light, but you looked at me when you said it, which you, what, you know, and you jumping on them, beating them up, don't even know that he wasn't even talking about your mama. You know, and it's, that's just, that's what happens. The nature of, of, of men, we're reactive more than we are responsive. You know, we, we don't stop and wait and see what's happening, what's going on, weigh out all of the uh, the different scenarios, what can happen if I, you know, if I do this. And so I think that uh, it's, it's, you know, I grew up like that. I was, I had a real bad temper growing up. I mean, I would go off at the drop of a hat, you know, and, um, and I had my father in my house. <laughs> so it's not just about that. It's just about that's just, that's in us. And I think it's it's not a bad thing because that that protective, that fight, you know, that's in, it's, it's in all of us. But unfortunately, if there are some deficits, some things that you didn't get in your development, now things are, are kind of warped and they get they get twisted. And so I think that's kind of what happens. And I'm pretty sure um, the quarantine, the whole 2020 didn't help in that development. So how do you think, do you think that that quarantine uh, could be a factor in why there's so much violence now that everybody's back in school? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. You know, really what, what happened with the quarantine is it's, if if a if a, a young man was already kind of prone to certain type of behavior, now he got way too much time to think. <laughs> it's one thing to be reactive, and then it's another thing to have way too much time. You know, and uh, I, I forgot who said this. Sellers, you might be able to help me, but the idle mind is devil's playground. You know, you you got you got a lot of time now to just too much time and you take away you know we're, we're social social creatures you take away the social element man 
you liable to go crazy. You know, you are liable to go crazy. You you just sitting there just thinking too much now about you know just stuff that ain't really productive, stuff that ain't helping you. you you're you're kept away from what you normally normally do in your day to day. Um, for some guys, they don't have an outlet. You know, for a lot of guys, sports is an outlet, and they take that away from you. So now you just at home, you know, in your room, and you got to do your work on this computer, and that's all you got all day, you know, and that's that's enough to make anybody go crazy. But for a young person who is not mature enough to handle this particular change, you know, it's a scientific fact that that the male brain is not fully developed until he's 25 years old. And so you got a, uh, a half-baked kid <laughs> in a situation that he wasn't prepared for. There was no warning. There was no, hey, guys, next year we're going to go straight virtual. So let me prepare you right now. It was nothing, that none of that. And so, yes, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I think that is – that is a, a major contributor to a lot of the anger that we're seeing and a lot of the irrational behavior. You, you know, it's a lot of people that have said the idle hands statement, but um, Proverbs sixteen twenty seven in the Living Bible says, "Idle hands are the devil's workshop; idle yeah. lips are his mouthpiece." So a lot of people said it, but they got it from there. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but Justice, I know you wanted to. To, to talk about a young person's perspective. So go ahead with that. So, you know, I've known fights that start out um, from my days in high school, and I'm not that old. Um, but like what you said, you know, you could be going down the hallway, somebody say, your mama, looking at you, talking to some completely different, and then now there's a huge fight that starts, that goes out. So no matter how ridiculous the, the provocation was for that fight, uh, they can turn real serious real fast. And so well beyond just fighting, though, the anger just seems to, to be escalating in more serious violence. We saw that in Oxford, Oxford, Michigan. A uh, 15-year-old kid shot how many people? Was it three people? I don't know how many people we shot, but three people died. And so... Um, it's actually four. four people died. There's uh, four another, people. There's another uh, six or so injured uh, fighting for Barrison. Yeah. Right. And I saw on uh, CNN, you know, they were interviewing this kid. And um, they, one of the producers, I guess, was called and they said, oh, so-and-so just died. And the kid just broke out mm. crying. Just like, how can this happened to me so what what do you think could possibly go through a young person's mind to make them um think that it's okay to attack someone with a dangerous weapon is there something that serious that's going on to where they're like okay this the only way this is going to get better is if i do this well you know first of all without really knowing and being able to know what, what was in the head of this particular young man um, I believe, though, that because we've seen this before, obviously, Columbine, um, Sadie Hook, uh, I, I, I think that what happens in the mind of this individual is um, we talked about deficit, deficits before, and um, our, our pastor did a powerful teaching on deficits. 
And really, a deficit is just a hole. I mean, it's a gap. It's, it's a place where something was supposed to be filled, but it wasn't filled. And I think that that's what happens a lot of times in these situations. Because, you know, let's take this example of this young man. Um, he had a father and a mother at home. You know, um, so, you know, it's not because he didn't have his dad. It's not because he didn't have his mom. Um, but there was something else going on there. And, you know, we use this, we use this word a lot, self-esteem. You know, um, low self-esteem. There's... Unfortunately, and Justice, you can definitely attest to this because you were the most recent one in high school, but unfortunately, it's it's a horrible thing, but there is this dividing line in schools. You know, you're either, I mean, in, in one person's era, you're cool or you're uncool. One person, you're dope or you ain't dope, you know, and so there's a lot going on now in in these schools where you got to measure up to a certain status to be accepted. And if you don't measure up to that status, uh, then you're, you're, you're just overlooked. And, and a lot of times what happens is these kids, and I'm not, I don't know, maybe it was the case in this, this young man, but I mean, being invisible is worse sometimes than being bullied because you don't exist. You know, and and I, I think sometimes uh, bullying is obviously a contributor to these type of outbursts. And I think what's even worse is being invisible. Uh, if if you're like, you know, what is this thing, you know, in front of me? You know, I mean, and that's the kind of that's the kind of way sometimes sometimes they'll put it, and you get to feeling like, oh, okay, y'all, you know, unfortunately, you guys are going to know that I exist tomorrow, and I really believe that that a lot of times that's what happens, and and so. Yeah, I don't think it happens overnight though. I think it's a, over a period of time, and that anger, that anger just grows and grows and grows and builds up until now. There's a voice. There's an almost audible voice that's saying you need to do this because if you don't do it, they won't respect you and they'll keep treating you like they're treating you. And and that's when we gotta, you know, you need a good role model because a good role model will be able to say, hey, what's wrong with you? You know. Um, what are you thinking? What's on your mind right now? You know, and so it's just having a mother and father in the house is not good enough if there's no real connection and involvement with that child. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially when you said, you know, in school, you got to reach a certain level. And if you don't, uh, you're considered we don't want you. We, we don't want to talk to you. We don't want you to talk to us. You know, I'm just kind of curious, you know, um, back in your day, y'all's day, <laughs> uh, how likely was an act of violence like the ones we just mentioned earlier? Um, or, you know, did they happen and you just didn't know about it? Or how likely was it? Um, I, I can go first, and then Marcellus can probably uh <laughs> first of all, I'm gonna be honest with you, you didn't hear about no school shootings when I was coming through high school. It just, you know, that just didn't happen. You know, you definitely had bullies, you definitely had the uh the class distinction, you know, who's popular, who's not popular. You definitely had that, but um it was just different. You know, you 
those those kids who were not popular almost seemed to have enough other people that weren't popular to where they had their own <laughs> their own clique or their own crew. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know what I mean. So I, I don't remember. Um, I was probably in my school because we had. I went to a small school. Um, and my school that I went to was uh, predominantly European American. Um, we were we were the minority. It was like, <laughs> you know, you could equate the uh, the minorities in America with our school. You know, we was about that many. <laughs> so, so for for me, um, I was I wasn't popular for that reason because I was new at that school, so I wasn't popular not at first. It wasn't until I started playing basketball and doing other things where, you know, whatever. But um, but I remember going through that and um, it was just like it was probably more of that invisible thing. But I don't remember. I remember the kids that were at my school feeling like they needed to do something about this. You know what I mean? Like it, it just it didn't it didn't get taken to that point. You know, no, no I agree, man. I. I don't think it hit stuff happened, but I think it was it's so rural areas that we didn't I mean I'm yeah. talking about I ain't talking about suburbs, I'm talking about rural areas. Right. I'm talking about country. You know right. what I'm saying? And and because we didn't have social media back then, it didn't it didn't hit us. So Columbine was ninety nine. So we were both in college at that point. But uh prior to that there were certainly school shootings. We can look at the history online yeah. if you want to on Google and find out there were school shootings and shoot back in the 40s, 30s. It was bombings because, you know, a lot of that was racial and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, things happened, but man, it seemed like there were so many, maybe there were more outlets um, for anger. You know, we did, I did a teaching on anger and, it, and I compared it to this aerosol can. If you read this can, it says contents under pressure. Mm. And then it says, read the back panel. And the back panel says, can may burst, you know, and that's the whole, if we hold on to that anger and it gets pent up, this can will ex expand. And it's not yeah. until this, you hit this release valve, that's, that sprays whatever is in it out, gets that anger out. And that's that outlet. And see, we had more outlets, in my opinion, we had more, uh, activities going on in the summer in the community, uh, mm -hmm. different things during school. My my uh, uncle made sure we played everything from basketball to floor hockey, shuffleboard. I remember going to play a shuffleboard tournament. Who does that in the in the city? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but his intent was that you're gonna have something to do um, positive. He used to open up uh, Scott School for yep. men's club teens club you know what i'm saying it was always some something going on to keep us uh day camps during the summer that would give us different uh, activities and skills mm -hmm. and we had all these outlets so um that young man at oxford i really believe like you said it didn't happen overnight there's some evidence to show that he had drew some pictures he had mm -hmm. put some things online so he was to me he was crying out for somebody to stop him and it his parents clearly didn't recognize the potential. His school administration didn't recognize it. And nobody reached out and grabbed him before he made that fatal error. Because mm -hmm. we, we all have a lot of angry thoughts. It happens. Yeah. But we don't, we, we don't 
act on them necessarily, right? right? Much like you, I had a bad temper growing up. Um, and we worked hard. I worked very hard to repair that part of me. Yeah. Um, because it was a deficit. Like you said, it was, I was, you know, I was acting out. And it was, mm-hmm. like you said, I had my father, I had great males in my life. So it's not just that. But um, the effect of it is so great because, like, I got two coworkers who have, who have children at Oxford. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just talked to one of them yesterday. I said, how's your son? She mm-hmm. was like, just emotionally drained. And, here, you know, so, you know, a week later or so. And um, they had just come from one of the funerals, uh, Tate Meyer, the football, the one that played football, his funeral was, was yesterday. And uh, she said it was just, but then she said this, and this is what, uh, I ain't even had this in my mental notes until just now, but she said this, she said his father at the funeral was so strong. Hmm. She said he got up there and he spoke with such strength and then he walked out with his head held up. And I mm. said, my goodness. Wow. I said, that's the leadership that that community needs. Yeah. To see that father, despite losing his his boy, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, <clears throat> I even told her, I said, I hope you and your son saw that strength and that strength can carry over to you all and, and help you understand that's how we got, you're going to make it through it. And, and that's how we have to get past uh, these travesties and these uh because they are travesties they are yeah. devastating acts let's let's be real this this is mm-hmm. this is crazy but we we will get past it life does go on but it men play an important role in showing how to get past it how to get past it but i mentioned social media mr brown as i put my aerosol can away <laughs> but uh <laughs> how do you how does the phenomena of the world shrinking due to social media, how do you think that affects like copycats and people acting because somebody else acted? I think, uh, I, and, and I was, you know, I was actually thinking about that social media when, when Justice posed that other question. I think that that has a lot to do with um, the reason that is so bad now too, because we didn't have that, you know, uh, if if we felt some kind of way at school, um, we had to wait until the next day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and sometimes by the time you get to the next day, it's, it's, it's yeah, it, if you still remember it, it's not nowhere near as big as it was. But mm-hmm. today, it's like seconds. I'm thinking about something, I'm going to put it out there right now. You know, and, and I think that, unfortunately, that plays a negative part, too, and into why we're seeing it escalate the way we are. Um, because I, I was just thinking about, I remember I got in trouble a couple of times and uh, my dad was like, it was in the morning. He didn't have time to beat me. So <laughs> it was like, when I get home, when you get home, I'm going to beat you. And man, I'm at school sweating bullets, man. I can't even concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in school, like, I mean, you talking about angry. It's like, hey, man, we're going to go play football. You want to, man, shut up, man. Get out of my face. You know, I'm just, I'm about ready to slap somebody because I'm about to get beat down. And then I go through all that, man. Get home. And I'm waiting. I'm in my room, like, waiting, just sitting down, like, just, okay, just might as well just get it over. I, when is, what time is dad getting here? You know what I'm saying? Man, he get home, and uh, he's talking to my mom. 
we eating dinner. And I'm like, so we're going to do this after dinner? I mean, what? <laughs> he forgot. You know what I'm saying? He forgot. And and that's that's what back in the day, you know, you go to school, you can be mad at somebody. Right. And and by the time you get to the next day, it's like, you know what, it ain't even that, it ain't even that serious. You know, some, some people will, will, you know, remember and they still want to try something. But it definitely didn't get to the point of, I'm gonna have to take this person out, but but you got social media now, and it's just so easy to to get to people, you know, to to you post something and immediately everybody sees it, you know. But I I really believe this though. I mean, I think these are just tools though that the enemy uses. Um, I don't know that one thing is worse than the other. Um, I think one thing is a progression from something else. That's what I believe. But I really believe that the source, and this is what I wanted to get back to because kind of going back to that first question, I really believe that the source of this thing happened when they took prayer out of schools. When they decided they were going to take prayer out of schools, uh, and, you know, and I don't, you know, I know a lot of people are going to argue this, you know, uh, I believe there's one way to the Father, you know what I mean? So <laughs> that was the that was the God that we prayed to in schools. We had a holy Bible in there. And um, I really believe that when they did that, um, and this is just my belief, you know, I believe that when they did that, it weakened our stance against the attacks of the enemy. Mm. And 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 when you weaken any any stance or position that you hold, let's say an army weakens their position, their hold, uh, then it just makes it easier for the enemy to be able to infiltrate. And I think that social media is just one of those tools now that the enemy is able to use to infiltrate and get in where he couldn't get in in our day. And now, now I, got, I got, yeah, we're going to move off that because I got a lot I could go with with <laughs> that, man. But because, you know, when they took prayer out, I think that not only was that an issue, but the fact that those that were spiritual didn't understand how to, instill the fact that they can't take prayer out of you right and and if we had a if that had been instilled in the children they could have still took prayer in there with yeah them. you know what i'm saying it, yeah. it wouldn't it would have been eliminated corporately but but it still would have been a presence in there but when they yeah. when they took it out it was like we just gave up like oh okay yeah no prayer we give up and that's how you know us in the kingdom we gotta we gotta learn that you can't you can't step on christianity just like mm -hmm. the Muslims don't let you step on Islam, you know what I'm saying? We, yep. you know, we're not we're not going to allow that anymore. And it's not anything about being big and bad and bold and physical. It's about it's a spiritual war. Yeah, it's a spiritual war. And if we don't realize that, it's hard to win a war when you don't know you're in it. Right. You know. Uh, how do men, Mister Brown? How do men, whether it's a father or just a man that wants to do something to change things, how do they step up and keep this, or, or teach how to keep this anger from building to, like we talked about, to from it becoming, how do we train them? How did you, because you talked about your anger as did I, how did you learn how to keep that from becoming an outward outburst? Um. You know, this kind of goes back to those role models, um, mentors. I I had, I, I basically adopted a couple of mentors. Um, 
I was able to do self-examination too, though. I mean, that, I'm, I'm telling you what I went through, but I think that um, I guess I can speak to the men too who are in a position of, of a little bit more stability, you know, encouraging them to look, to look at these young men, you know, that they're encountering. Um, but for me, um, I was able to find a couple of good mentors. You know, my father was, today I'll tell you my father is my chief mentor, but I was going through some stuff in, in, a, in a time in my life where I wasn't going to be able to hear it from my father, you know, and and that happens, you know, uh, in, a, in a young man's life that happens where because the father, you know, let me say this. OK, let me say this. I think that the, the biggest thing that young men, men need is affirmation. They need to be affirmed. And um, and I'm not saying my father didn't affirm me. But the way I processed things was more negative than affirmation. Because, you know, when I messed up, he got on me. And it was rough. You know what I'm saying? And and I did it. You know what I mean? And <laughs> like I didn't do it. You know, but I don't remember, and I'm not saying he didn't, but I think that this is one of the ways the enemy gets in to twist things, make you feel like, oh, you don't even love you. All he do is correct you. You know, he don't never affirm. He don't ever tell you. you did, did he tell you you did a good job on this? And he may not have, but there are some other areas where he really highlighted and, and uh, told me I did a good job. But I, but because he didn't do it this one time, I'm only remembering the last two or three times that he corrected me. Mm. And so, so I I found mentors, and and they affirm mentors are going to affirm you more than they correct you, because they want to. They want to build you up. They want you to feel feel like you. Now, at the same time, they're gonna tell you, you know, okay, you know, you, you need to change that though. You need to correct that. But you did a good job on these five things over here. And so, I think that that was the thing that helped me was uh, being in the company of people who would affirm me and build me up. And then after I got that from these individuals. And I'm, st- and I'm still dealing with my dad, I'm realizing that I had that. Mm. I wasn't looking for them to correct me, but my dad had to correct me. Mm. That's part of part of him, part of being a father is you're gonna get corrected. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna affirm you 24-7 and you know and just let you get away with stuff. Right. And so, but I realized that uh through these guys that my dad was always doing it. You know, and so what that did for me now is to, you know, kind of to pay it, play a pay it forward kind of situation. I got sons now, and um, and there were other young men that have been in my life, and so I had to make a decision to affirm them, uh, to find something. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes <laughs> I know it's hard. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you reach it, man. You like, you know. Uh, you you did a good job walking today. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you put one foot in front of the other. You know, good job, son. You know, but <laughs> I'm not I'm not talking about justice or either for that matter. But uh, oh, okay. but, I'm, but, <laughs> but but my point is, um, there has to be a good balance of affirmation and correction. You got to correct, but you got to affirm. Affirming is just as important as correcting. Okay, so. I want you to keep that what you said in mind. I want to uh, I want to bring this up. 
And this was off of a, a CBS News article. After 23 students were arrested in only three days following several violent outbursts, uh, there were some dads that started a group to just walk around the school every day. And to this day, there hasn't been a fight breakout after their dad's on duty after that whole thing started. So why in the world do you think that there was such a drastic change? I mean, there were male principals, male teachers, there were male aides and stuff like that, but nothing happened until these fathers got together and they said, let's go up to the school. Man, it's something powerful about fathers, man. I mean, we, we underestimate the importance and the power that fathers have. I mean, I didn't know about that story, but uh, I got goosebumps when just, just hearing you talk about it because it, it reminded me of um, Joshua when they marched around um, the city of Jericho and all they were instructed to do was march around and, and then shout at the end. Um, but these, these fathers represent order and structure. And it's just, I can imagine there was almost this air. We ain't having this. You know what I mean? Enough. We're not talking about police officers. We're not talking about the army. We're not talking about national guard. We're talking about fathers. And they they decided they were going to represent what is right. And I think that there's something about that. Uh, I, I think that there are certain things that we can do that are righteous. Um, maybe I'm not saying that they they were Christians. I don't know if they were Christians or not, but I think that there's some things that we can do that's right in the sight of God. And that causes him to get involved. Just as Jesus was on that ship and the Bible says that when, when the winds came and the rain came, I mean, the wind and the waves and all that stuff came, the Bible says he specifically rebuked the wind. He spoke to the wind, he rebuked the wind and he calmed the sea. And I think that, I think that when we do stuff like that, God is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to this wind of anger and outburst outbreaks of, of violence. I'm going to speak to this and I'm going to calm this down because of what you guys are doing in faith. And, uh, and, and I, I think that, I think that was a powerful move uh, of those men. And I think it, I'm glad they reported it. You know, because I think it, it's good to see that kind of stuff happen. You don't see that kind of stuff get reported. And so I, I, I really believe that that's, I think it had that kind of effect. Yeah, man, I, we talked about father. Hold on a second. They're talking on the overhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about father on one of our other episodes, and I talked about a song that um, Rodney Knight wrote, actually. And um uh, it was it was from the perspective from the movie Prince of Egypt, but it was talking about yeah. Pharaoh from the perspective of the Pharaoh talking to his father that was had passed. And it's like, I need you now, but you know where to be found, you know. Mm -hmm. And it made when I heard it, it made me think about the role of the father. It is so much more than having that child, you know, it's so much more than it is so much more important, so much more depth. He was like, I, you know, it's some stuff I'm gonna face. Or he was saying, there's some things I'm facing right now, and I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. And I really need you to guide me. Do I do I let these people go, or do I beat them to death? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was basically what he was asking. And we, 
you know, uh, it was just that that affir- that affirmation that you were talking about. He was looking for it. And then when you say righteousness, I was like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. If you look at, uh, at words in a different light and look up father, what a kingdom father is. It's an example of faithfulness, authority, temperance, humility, excellence, and righteousness. Mm-hmm. So the authority and the righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. All in the one. And I, I, I imagine when those fathers went up to that school, because I'm not a father, but I can show, imagine if I was a student in that school <laughs> and uh, that group <laughs> of fathers, because it was, when we looked up, you know, when you saw dads in the stands at games and stuff like yeah. that, you, it was different. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You, your father was there. You was trying to do right. And, and uh, whether it was a band concert or basketball, football, whatever mm-hmm. it was. And yeah. uh, I imagine when those fathers went up there, <laughs> a lot of those young men was like, hey, man, we yeah, we better we better get ourselves and the young ladies. Yeah. Because it's very important. We talk about young men, but we don't often talk about the relationship between a father and a young lady to show them how a man should treat them and show them how a man should be for them. And when they start looking for that, mm-hmm. uh, we don't really talk about that a whole lot. But then the definition is this kingdom father is the final authority in the home to govern, regulate yeah. and release family potential. The final authority. Like yeah. we, we know we're not, we, we don't want to ever minimize the role of woman, the role of wife, the role of mother. We never want to minimize that because it's so important. Um, Mary had a great responsibility in birthing Jesus. The role of mother is so, but it, but there's a certain authority that a father has. And I want to ask you, because I, I struggled with this as a child. How do you treat your children fairly, but differently at the same time? Because I, I had a struggle with um, believing that they, 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 they cared about my my big brother's activities more. You know what I'm saying? I seemed like wasn't nobody at my 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 academic <laughs> um, uh, awards, but they were at his basketball game. You know what I'm saying? That's the way it felt. Not it could have just been me, but that's the way it felt. But how do you try to mitigate that as a father? That's a good. That's a great question because um, first thing I'll say is. It, it, it is something you definitely have to be consciously aware of, you know, um, because it's, it's easy to slip into, you know, that that thing where one of them is getting a little bit more attention than the other one, you know. Um, and I know you have uh, you had a couple of siblings in the house growing up and that's kind of how it is with mine, you know, um, uh, a daughter and two sons. And so. It was really interesting, you know, because my daughter is not my biological daughter, but she I pretty much uh, raised her from from age seven. And so um, she's only referred to me as dad. And so that's all I referred to her her as as my daughter, even in public. I never used step stepdaughter. And so um, I remember being consciously. I remember I remember saying this to myself. That whatever kids that we have after her will she will never feel like she's my stepdaughter and they are my real kids it'll mm-hmm. never that will never be an issue and there were times where i overcompensated after justice was born 
just because I was trying to prove a point, like I'm never going to do that. You know, I overcompensated. And then I noticed that when Ethan came, things got out of, just got all out of balance. You know, uh, I, I felt like, okay, I got to make sure, you know, uh, I, I do this for this one because I don't want this one to feel this way. And I was, I was, I was going crazy <laughs> trying to make sure that everybody got equal love, you know, and equal attention from me. And um, I really just had to go to God, man. I remember going, I remember talking to my father about this, um, but I also went to God and I was like, I said, God, this is, I don't know, I don't know how to do this because I can't go crazy because then, then my wife needs some attention. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> she would feel like, um, I'm here, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm like all in for the kids. And so I remember thinking, um, I, I, I got to figure out what to do here. And, um, and then, you know, you got kids that are into different things. You know, Justice wasn't into sports, um, but he did other things like he was in the government and things like that. And I'm like, okay, you know, so Ethan was in the sports, you know, Brittany, you know, she was in her thing. And, and so the the thing I had to do, man, I had to go to God. I, I said, God, I, I need to know what to do because there is no book that is written that covers no universal book that covers everybody's problems as a parent. I said, I need to know what to do. And uh, man, I'm gonna tell you what happened was I began to start to um, prioritize differently. It was like, um, and I had to do this. I had to do the justice don't know this. Um, this is interesting, you know, but but uh, I'm gonna reveal it to him. But I had mm. to do this. I literally, I literally had to kind of like look at each one of them and make sure I had to make notes and set reminders. I started that way, but after after a while, I, I kind of developed a little bit of a routine. And so like Justice can tell you, we don't talk every day like having a conversation, but sometimes I'll just reach out to him and be like, hey, what's going on? We'll have a conversation, real lengthy conversation. I've already probably done that with Brittany and I've already done that with Ethan, you know, and so uh, you got to do what you got to do. You got to staff your weakness, you know, and that's what I had to do. I had to set reminders. I had to set reminders and say, hey, you know, uh, check in on Ethan at this time. Check in on Justice over here. Check on with Brittany, you know, and I remember I texted Brittany one time and she was like, dad, I just love your text messages, you know, and I had no idea how that effect on her. She just went on this long, I mean, thread about how much she appreciated just, just out of the blue when I text message her. And so, you know, and it's the little things too. You, you don't have to try to, uh, you don't have to try to swing for the fence on everything. Sometimes it's just, let's sit down and talk or let's sit down and uh, have, have something to eat or play Uno or, I mean, even even in the haircut sessions, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I'll cut Justin's hair and, and he likes to watch this particular show that, <laughs> That his mom hates, you know, and I, I secretly am okay with it. <laughs> oh, my mom don't watch this. Right. <laughs> but, but I mean, just laughing at the same time at the same joke. You know what I mean? Uh, being in the, in the room, being in that moment. Uh, sometimes that's, that's all it may take right now. You know, so. Yeah, I hope that answered. That did. You know what? Because I, 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 we had another question, but I think this is a perfect place to talk, to end on this note 
about the, the role of fathers because you said something it was remarkably similar to what my dad said um, about my sister because he wasn't her biological father but she mm. he, he she only called him dad you know yeah. but he, he said the same thing about making sure that whatever other kids he had was not gonna was not gonna circumvent or 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 supersede the, the love that he had for her she was never gonna feel it and it was when you said it, i was like boy that i mean Verbatim. And what's the odds of that? He, we both had two boys. <laughs> Crazy man. I mean, verbatim. He said the same wow. thing, man. Wow. And, it, and it's like, and I'm I'm working on a, a book right now. You, you don't even know this, but um, it's it's gonna be called Big Brother Little Me, and it's gonna be written from that perspective of that that young man that feels left in the shadows, and hmm. and uh, but it's not going to be about the shadows more so than it is about coming out of them and realizing that it's not what you what it appears to be per se hmm. and uh i think that those those moments and those precious times that we get to spend with our fathers and, and we don't recognize it right away sometimes we don't realize it the importance of that haircut uh conversation uh, mm -hmm. those jokes or like when i was with my dad and my brother fishing the other day and we don't necessarily realize those moments are really keepsakes, man. They're really important. And sometimes we got to show our fathers some appreciation because they don't get it a lot, man. They get beat up about everything. Some go wrong, but we, they know, you know, Yeah. because they got the kids saying, daddy, did, why? You got the wife saying, yeah, why? <laughs> you, got, you know what I'm saying? So the pressure that, that you all are under, um, Man, it's, it's 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 a lot of pressure, but it's also a, a gift from God in a way, yeah. because that role of the father, you can't can't buy it anywhere. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. You, you either have it or you, you don't. Right. It's, it, yeah. You don't. If you're not a father, um, you're not blessed with that with that ability or that gift. That's just not the ability because you can certainly become a father, but. Yeah, but man, I appreciate your time, and I really do. I know we took out some time out of your day, probably a little longer than we had intended or anticipated. But you know, the conversation was just so good. Uh, is there any last thing you want to say to any any of the men out there um, that may be struggling with their relationship with their children? Yeah, you know what I was thinking about as you were talking this scripture, and uh, I gotta I gotta look it up because I don't want to. I mean, I know the scripture by heart, but I wanted to be able to give a reference um, just in case anybody wants to look it up. But it's uh, <clears throat> Psalms chapter 127, verse 3. And this is when you, when you talked about the gift. Um, the children are a gift to, to us as parents. It says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. And so... When you asked that question, and I forgot about that. That was something that um, that that the Holy Spirit ministered to me too about about that. You asked me that question about dealing with the children and um, you know, with them being different um, and having different assignments and that kind of thing. Um, the thing that that jumped out for me with that scripture is, I'm I'm their father because you know they are a part of me, but God allowed that. You know what I mean? God allowed them to come from me and their mom. However, we're stewards. We're, we're, we're stewards of, of what is God's. 
And when you when you get wrap your head around the fact that they don't really they're not yours, they're on loan to you from God. And how I treat what is God's will determine how well I'm treated by God. You know, it, it that's a that's a whole nother level of parenting right there. You know, so I don't I don't need a book, a universal book. If I just read the scripture and God is like, look, you know, take care of mine and I take care of you, mm. you know. And, and so I think that, you know, to, to as far as a closing statement or closing thing that I would say is to remember that children are not yours. They're God's. You have the responsibility of molding them and shaping them. And. If you take care of what's his, he'll take care of you. Wow. Well, Justice, you want to thank your dad? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, of course I do. Uh, thank you, Father. And you know, um, Father, I just what? <laughs> thank you, Father. <laughs> he said like he was a, a priest or something. Thank I you, know. <laughs> well, I'm that's what he is. He's a father. Technically, go ahead, yeah. Go right? ahead, man. I'm just messing with you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, yeah. Thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, when I was when I was putting this in my head, I was like, who can I bring on to talk about this? I had a bunch of other people, and I brought it to Marcellus. And so I was like, eh, you sure you want that person on here? I said, hmm. Now that you mention, no, I don't. <laughs> so you weren't the last choice, but you were the best choice. <laughs> so. <All right. laughs> well, that was a backhanded compliment. Right, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll take that. <laughs> what he meant to say is sometimes you don't see why, what's right in front of your face. That's yeah. what he meant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I appreciate the invite and, um, you know, it's, uh, as you know, my schedule lately has been interesting, um, but I was, uh, I thought about it and he was like, when you asked me to do it, I thought about it, I was like, you know what, this is my son asking me to do this. I'll be honored to do it. All right, bro. We appreciate you. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. All right. God bless. All right. Okay. Stop recording.